You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's December 17th. Over the course of a 40-year career, female physicians earn about 25% less than male physicians, a pay gap of more than $2 million. That's according to a new RAND study. The researchers compared the salaries of male and female physicians within the same specialty. Gender differences in career earnings were largest among surgical specialists, a $2.5 million difference, followed by non-surgical specialists, a $1.6 million difference, and primary care physicians, a $0.9 million difference. However, as the study's lead author Christopher Whaley tweeted this week, if there are systematic barriers to becoming specialists, then the real gender gap will be larger. For instance, orthopedic surgeons get paid more than primary care physicians do. The results also show that annual income differences between men and women accelerated during the initial years of practice and never recovered. This suggests that despite working full-time and gaining years of experience later in their careers, women doctors do not catch up to their male counterparts in terms of income. So, what can be done to address this persistent gender gap? The authors offer up some potential policy solutions, including providing pay transparency to help underpaid physicians see what a fair salary should be, improving paid family leave, and offering more flexible scheduling. Many experts were expecting a strong but incomplete economic recovery from the pandemic in 2021. Instead, there have been more U.S. job openings than unemployed workers since May. Three million people still haven't returned to the labor force. And in September, 3% of all workers left their jobs. That same month, hires were 4.4%, suggesting an incredible rate of job switching. On top of all this, the country is currently averaging about 120,000 daily COVID cases, and the Omicron variant is adding new uncertainty. As Rand economist Catherine Edwards wrote in the Wall Street Journal this week, some of these outcomes shouldn't come as a surprise. Even workers who kept their positions throughout the pandemic were thrown curveballs. Their jobs may have become remote instead of in-person. Their jobs may have presented new health risks or required new safety protocols and added responsibilities. Or their jobs may have demanded longer or more irregular hours. Such conditions have led people to take time off. Plus, half of workers overall want a new job. And one in three workers under the age of 40 are considering switching careers entirely. Some business leaders and policymakers appear to believe that the country's complex labor shortage will relent once workers start to feel a financial pinch. But according to Edwards, quote, squeezing people financially until they are compelled to take a job is not the way forward. Instead, she says, policymakers should be asking, what can be done to make work more compelling? Options may include offering paid sick days, which one in four private sector workers currently do not have. 
Additionally, it may be time for the U.S. to consider adopting more supportive policies for working parents, policies that have consistently been shown to increase labor force participation in other countries, such as the right to work part-time, paid family leave, and significant child care subsidies. Edwards notes that we will never recreate a world before COVID-19, and the labor market in 2022 and beyond will reflect not only what workers learned from their pandemic experience, but also how employers and policymakers choose to respond. Social and Emotional Learning, or SEL, can support student development and help prepare kids for college and career success. But many high schools have yet to integrate SEL into academic instruction. A new RAND report shows what school-wide, integrated, explicit SEL programs look like at two small U.S. high schools in Maryland. Some key recommendations came out of the findings of this study. For example, school leaders should embed SEL into the core school mission. The two high schools in this study made social and emotional learning the cornerstone of the school, consistently emphasizing SEL in teacher professional development and sending the message that SEL should be a key focus of instructional time, student assessment, and teacher-student relationships. Another recommendation is for teachers to use instructional approaches that complement and reinforce SEL, such as personalized learning. At one of the study schools, for instance, teachers used surveys to get student feedback and then design units or lessons around topics that were interesting to them. The findings and recommendations from this study may provide valuable insight for leaders of other small U.S. high schools who are seeking to strengthen their own focus on SEL. Military interventions can advance U.S. interests, but they can also be costly and counterproductive if used in the wrong circumstances. In a new report, RAND researchers examined past U.S. military interventions to uncover lessons that could help guide policymakers' future decisions about whether, when, and with what size force to intervene militarily. The authors identified four important criteria that policymakers should look at when making these decisions. First, how is the intervention likely to affect the local balance of power? Second, what is the role of external actors acting as spoilers? Third, what are the potential risks of the conflict or crisis escalating? Fourth, and finally, how might an intervention affect America's reputation in terms of international legitimacy? It's also worth noting that, when looking back through history, the authors found that more cases in which the U.S. did not intervene resulted in improved outcomes for U.S. interests than resulted in deteriorated outcomes. For three weeks in October and November, students from three historically black colleges and universities— Clark Atlanta University, Morehouse College, and Spelman College, teamed up with doctoral students from the Party Rand Graduate School for a virtual hackathon hosted by Rand. The hackathon was part of Rand's NextGen initiative, which aims to strengthen the connection between younger generations and today's most important public policy issues. The hackathon tested participants with a significant challenge— explore how vulnerable communities have fared during the pandemic, and envision policies to help produce a more equitable recovery. 
Students were encouraged to draw on their experiences and dive into problems they observed in their communities, and they took that challenge to heart. For example, one participant from Morehouse College, Calvin Bell, shared that his father had died in prison during the pandemic. Inspired by that story, Bell's team set out to explore the effects of compassionate release programs for incarcerated people. Bell said, "The most important thing I learned is how important it is to evaluate an issue at hand in its entirety. We needed to create the appropriate scope, data sets, and recommendations." These are essential steps to not only be a good data scientist, but to be a member of society who wants to lobby for an issue that they care about deeply. After the students worked on their projects for weeks and received coaching from Rand researchers, the hackathon judges chose two winning teams. All participants gained valuable knowledge about using data to inform policy, especially through a social justice lens. You can read more about the hackathon and the NextGen Initiative on Rand.org. Rand is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered in this episode, check the show notes at rand.org/podcast. We'll be back in your feeds next Wednesday with our final episode of the year, a recap of the most popular Rand research projects of 2021. We'll see you then.